MSU could be set for a massive, massive day on the recruiting trail. Dylan Williams, he's going to announce his commitment somewhere. Nick Marsh, also going to announce his commitment somewhere. Could it be Michigan State? And also, hey, 4th of July fireworks, Justin Denson commits. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans, your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Spartan friends, Spartan family, Locked on Spartans listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to today's show of Locked on Spartans, your team in green and white. Well, three days a week in July, although if we're going to get this good news that we're kind of sort of expecting tomorrow, hey, we'll bump it up to four days, but you know, once football season, basketball season rolls around, usually five days, you guys probably know all of this. You ever want to reach out? LockedonSpartans at gmail.com. We're going to go into the mailbag for segments two and three, but first... Oh my God, it could be happening. Um, Michigan State might not just get one four-star, but perhaps two. And look, if you're a loyal listener of this show, first and foremost, thank you very much. Second, you know that we jinx some things on this program, but hey, you know, we're going to show our work as to why maybe it's worth getting excited for the Nick Marsh announcement coming at 5 p.m. on Friday, and then well before that, a half hour before that actually, Dylan Williams, four-star linebacker, committing somewhere at 4.30 Eastern time. Let's start with Nick Marsh because, I mean, I, look, this was a kid that was committed to Michigan State, right? And then he decommitted. And I I don't want to over-exaggerate, but one of the single worst days of my entire life when he announced his decommitment. Um, love the kid's tape. Um, and look, all the recruiting sites love him as well. Rivals has him rated as the number 54th rated kid in the country. 24-7 sports has him rated at 169. Any way you slice it, top 200 kid, great receiver, six foot three, strong hands, really is a natural at high pointing the ball. I mean, this kid isn't rated in the top 200 or top 100 for no reason. So it's down between Oregon Kansas, Pitt, and Penn State, and oh yeah, our Michigan State Spartans, the kid from River Rouge, the last official visit he took was to Michigan State, and what's the adage in recruiting? You want to be the first visit? Set the tone for everyone else, which that was Penn State. I started to feel a little good about Michigan State standing when he left Penn State, not committed to the Nittany Lions, because well, Penn State seems to do that, get kids committed on the spot. Uh, here we are. Just, okay, as the weeks go on, the Michigan State official visit went really well. He had his family there, and, well, yeah, playing that close to family maybe will help a little bit here, but, yes, yeah, so we could be getting the recommitment of Nick Marsh, and I gotta say, I, I, I did not see that coming. When a kid decommits more times than not, a lot more times than not, they coming back to the class, but, hey, this would be awesome if Nick Marsh should recommit. Now, like we said, Nick Marsh, that announcement coming at 5 p.m. Dylan Williams over on the west coast of this beautiful country. 4.30 Eastern Time, 1.30 p.m. California Time. 6'3", 210-pound linebacker. He has interest from Oregon, Washington, USC, Texas. I mean, look, this is another kid that is very highly rated. Rivals has him inside of their top 40, all right? 24-7 Sports has him rated inside their top 200. So, yeah, this could be a day. Where Michigan State gets, if you're you know a follower of Rivals, which, hey, subscribe to Spartans Illustrated. A lot of good stuff going on there. Rivals tells you that MSU could land two top 50 kids on Friday. Or, hey, if you want 24-7 sports, there's nothing to sneeze at about landing two top 200 kids. I mean, that's still incredible in the world of college football recruiting. So... Dylan Williams, a little bit more about him. Like I said, six foot three, two hundred ten pound linebacker from Long Beach uh, Poly over in California, and that high school 
has sent more kids to the NFL than any other high school in the country. They have sent over 60 kids to the NFL, so great, great football blood flowing through the veins of that program down there. And uh, look, he'd be the fourth kid to commit to Mel Tucker at Michigan State from the great state of California. So, I mean, look, when Mel Tucker came here, you knew that recruiting was going to be the emphasis, and not just regional, but national. Uh, this, this would be massive. Again, I'm trying to find some wood I can knock on. To not spoil this, but hey, why am I so excited? Is it just a hunch? Is it because I'm a Michigan State slappy? No, I mean, there's a lot of smoke blowing for these kids, both from rivals, from 24-7 sports, from On3, all the big recruiting sites. Um, Justin Sin, friend of the program, he was one of the first to log a crystal ball, that is the prediction of where these kids are going to go, for both of them to come to Michigan State. Now you have, for Nick Marsh, the Penn State insiders are switching their picks to Michigan State. Dylan Williams, I mean, they're Oregon insiders because... Oregon was just assumed to be the team to beat for Dylan Williams. All, all their recruiting insiders, just like Michigan State's recruiting insiders, are saying, Sparty's got one. <laughs> they, they got one on us, which, wow, uh, what a win. Now, should both commit, what does that mean? What will happen if both commit? Well, first and foremost, I will be partaking in the um, objectively pathetic act of having celebratory beers because two high school kids picked my college team. Uh, five months before signing day. Like, that that will happen, but enough about what my personal plans are. What does it mean for the team? Add both these kids to the 24-7 sports composite. They have a class calculator where you can add these kids to the current class. 24-7 sports spits out a rating of 190.27. Now, do you know what that means? Of course not. I hardly know what it means, but it would mean that Michigan State would move up to the 33rd best class in the country per the 24-7 sports composite. Now, I know that 33rd isn't like a top 20 class or anything, but look, this would mean that that's 13 commits. All the other schools around like that 33 ranking, they're already like 18, 20 commits. I mean, that would put a great foundation for Michigan State. Should they also land, I don't know, like David Stone, if we're really feeling ourselves, uh, Jamari Howard, he recommits, or Quasi Gilmar, Kamar Mathudi, any of those four stars, or in David Stone's case, a five star, I... That could get Michigan State back into the top 20 of the nation. And, God, after a 5-7 and seven season in East Lansing, when everyone regionally is a really strong powerhouse right now with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Notre Dame, like, a top 20 class you would be doing backflips over, uh, considering the circumstances here. But, yeah, um, don't doubt Mel Tucker, I guess. And, look, it, it isn't just these two kids tomorrow, because you probably already know this by now. This happened on the evening of the 4th of July. Six foot two, 190 pound defensive back Justin Denson out of Rhode Island. He commits to Michigan State, and this is just days after he accepted a All American Bowl commitment. So, yes, that game that's played on NBC every single year. He's going to be one of them, just the fourth Spartan to ever play in that prestigious bowl game. So, he's expected to play cornerback, but he can also play safety, nickel. Um, honestly, he kind of profiles a lot like Dylan Tatum. You know, it's a kid that comes from high school, just super talented. He can play everywhere on defense. And just like you saw in Dylan Tatum's first year last year, he can be spread all over the field. Now, on his highlight tape, um, what sticks out to me is a lot of like that center field free safety position that he plays. Um, really interesting pairing there because, well, Reggie Powers, that's going to be your strong safety. That could be your free safety right there should he not play cornerback. But again, Justin Denson, talented enough kid where it's probably going to work out somewhere. And it's not just Michigan State that thinks he's talented. I mean, God, look at this kid's top five list. He picked Michigan State over Florida and Oklahoma, two schools he took official visits to. And 
Florida recruiting is rolling right now, by the way. So that's a really good win for Michigan State. And then also Alabama and Texas A&M, just you know, those two little schools, made his top five as well. But he had offers from Penn State, Miami, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Florida State, Arizona State, Kansas, Maryland. He, he, he had over 30 offers. Like This was a legit kid. And, hey, from the state of Rhode Island, not, not a lot of competition over there, but I think he sensed that as well because he is going to go to a prep school in Pennsylvania for his senior year, a school that's going to play more of a national schedule. So he is going to forge himself through the fire of a national schedule as well. Uh, he highlighted why Michigan State. Well, they showed him love early on. Michigan State, Mel Tucker, um, the whole gang. One of the first schools to jump on the Justin Denson hype train, and that has really stuck with him and all the way through the official visit that he took in late June. Uh, we're going to send you out of this first segment with some more recruiting talk, but we're going to switch sports to basketball really quick. I mean, this was almost a, a blip on the radar, but Bryson Tucker, if you don't know that name, he is a five-star player. He played last year at IMG Academy, and top 10 kid in the country in for uh, the sport of basketball. And there is a piece written at 24-7 Sports, you know, just about his relationship with Louisville because he's thinking of Louisville, Indiana, Duke, Georgia Tech. And then just in the middle of that article, oh yeah, hey, by the way, earlier this month, uh, I took an official visit to Michigan State and quote, it was a really good visit. What? You, usually you hear about any kid that even takes an unofficial visit to Michigan State, but this five-star top 10 player Visited Tom Izzo and the staff on an official visit last month, and it went really good. So, again, there's a lot, a lot of time left with Bryson Tucker's commitment, uh, his recruitment. Rob Cassidy, the recruiting expert over at Rivals, he actually had a piece, I think it was a week or two ago, predicting where these kids are going to go. And he said, I think it was Overtime Elite or G League, some professional league like that. But, again, wide open, very mysterious player, Bryson Tucker. Very quiet, obviously. He just took an official visit, and no one knew about it, but... He also said in the piece, too, doesn't really know where he's going to be playing to finish out his high school career. So I keep your eye on that one. That's one of the more unusual ones, but I, I wouldn't say no to one Bryson Tucker at Michigan State. Now we're going to crack open the mailbag here in a hot segment. First, need to talk your ear off about Fan Duel Sportsbook. Gang, take your first swing at betting MLB on Fan Duel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you will land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's the best part. You don't even have to see your bet win for FanDuel to hand you 200 smackaroos. That is $200 you can spend on everything from betting the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in any given game. It's all in an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use, and when you win, this is my favorite part, you get paid instantly. That's right. When Ricky Fowler drains that winning putt at the Rocket Mortgage. I withdraw the money. It's in my account instantly. Thank you, Mr. FanDuel. So sign up today, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. Again, that is FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. It's FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Back in the mailbag, you already know it, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com if you want to reach out. Or, hey, hit me up on Twitter, Sheehan underscore sports, like many of you fine folks did not too long ago when we cracked open the mailbag on that just sensational website that Elon Musk has going on over there. Tyler is going to bat first for us. How many Big Ten football teams will make a bowl game in the 2023 season? <clears throat> well... I'm going to visit a friend, uh, our friends over at FanDuel, to get this conversation started. And I like going to Vegas for these because they always have the over-unders, the win totals, if you will. And FanDuel, 
And Vegas, by and large, is telling us that nine Big Ten teams will make a bowl game, which isn't far-fetched. That, that's nothing crazy. In the last five years, nine conference teams made it three of those years. Uh, there was one year where there were ten Big Ten teams that made a bowl game, and then one year, eight Big Ten teams made it. Again, that's not the biggest sample size just the last five years, but it's a long way of saying that, yeah, more times than not, Nine is usually the golden number for the Big Ten, and that's what the FanDuel lines have that at right now as well. Now, our Spartans are not one of those nine teams predicted to make a bowl game this year. As it stands, five and a half for our Michigan State Spartans. We did an episode not too long ago about this. Call me crazy, call me a homer, call me any name that you want. I've been called a lot of names on the show. Um, I'm going with the over, though. I'm going to go with six wins Maybe seven wins if we're going to feel a little spicy in a road game against Minnesota or something like that. But So, that means that one team has to slide out because I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with the safe guess. I'm going to go with nine as well. And I'm not going to go with one of the six and a half teams because both Illinois and Nebraska, they're sitting at six and a half. Like, they are on that razor-thin margin for error, according to Vegas, for making a bowl game or not. I'm going to go up to one of the teams that is sitting at seven and a half right now. Minnesota. Minnesota. Who, you know, hey, been doing fine work under P.J. Fleck. I mean, that guy is rowing the boat in the right direction over there in Minneapolis. But while, uh, speaking of margin for error, there is not a lot of it over there in Gopher Country. They got to go to North Carolina. Okay, yikes. Uh, they have to play Michigan. They have to go to Ohio State and then Michigan State in their crossover. That's not the friendliest crossover for those Gophers. They also have to go to the road at Iowa. And man, oh man, I mean, if you just take the what is leaning a guaranteed loss there at North Carolina, playing Michigan at Ohio State, and then road at Iowa... That's four losses right there. You lose to Michigan State. That's already five losses right there. I, who we're, we're, it's getting a little tight there over in P.J. Fleck country. So I think Minnesota's going to drop out of bowl contention this year. I think they'll go 5-7. and seven. And then Michigan State, that's right, our Spartans march way in there. And, uh, yeah, take that ninth spot. So I'm going to go with nine wins for that. Thank you for the question, Tyler. Now, $95 million man. Feeling himself here. And hey, it's the offseason. We all have some optimism in our fingers when we are typing out these questions or these takes. Or, hey, if you have a microphone and a webcam, there's a lot of optimism when you're saying some things too in late June, early July, what have you. It is that sweet spot time of year where we're really feeling good about our Spartans, no matter what happened the previous fall. $95 million man writes, U of M was held to just five field goals last year and only scored twice, one of them being golden field position versus an, sorry, via an interception and Michigan State played like roasted booty. Of course he's talking about the Michigan-Michigan State game last year. Two-parter. Oh boy, how many touchdowns will we win by this year? And who is the player of the game? Oh man, uh, I've been seeing some of this on Twitter of, you know, hey, Michigan, you only won, what was it, like 29 to 7 or something like that? Like, shouldn't be too impressed with yourself, which I, there's something to be said about that. Like, it is a, a miracle that Michigan State kept it within 40 last year. Um,. But yeah, like the part of Michigan State played like booty last year. That wasn't like an off game for Michigan State, unfortunately. They showed a lot of who they were the entire season, unfortunately. That was sadly, not MSU on an off night, 
No, it was just 2022 MSU on a 2022 MSU night. Uh, odd play calls. Um, strange, strange unfoldings of the plays on short yardage situations. I mean, just the talent gap. Just You guys are... I'm not going to rehash the game, but yes. Michigan deserved to win that game. Like, they were clearly the better team. And then, uh, so, how many touchdowns will we win by this year? God, I love your optimism. I really wish I had even 20% of it. Um, Michigan State right now is 20 and a half point underdogs in this game. How many touchdowns will we win by this year? I... <laughs> Can I answer that on October 20th, the night before the game? Maybe I got a few cocktails in my system, and then I'll let you say, like, or maybe I'll tell you. Two touchdowns. We'll be beating my two touchdowns. But what I will do for the second part of that question is, who is the player of the game? Now, if Michigan State, hypothetically, were to win this game, who would be the player of the game? Boring answers from me coming up. Because, look, if Michigan State wins that game, that means... A quarterback really balled out. Or, hey, just like what would be two falls ago, a running back really balled out. And Nathan Carter, yeah, I think very highly of him. Do I think he's Kenneth Walker level? i got to hold my horses eventually. But, hey, maybe Nathan Carter has a strong game. Or maybe it's either Hauser or Kim that are slinging the rock. But if I had to put money on who would the player of the game be, should Michigan State win? Give me the guy that was three-time defensive player of the week in the Big Ten, Jacoby Winman, because, man... Look, all all teams in the Big Ten are going to have their hands full with Michigan, specifically in the run game, and not just with who they return in uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, but also yeah, their offensive line is going to be incredible too. So if they can stop the run, and sure, like Simeon Barrow, Derek Harmon will have something to say about that. They unfortunately probably won't have the flashy stats. You don't get a stat for absorbing two blocks, but yeah, Jacoby Winman, we've seen the, the havoc he can wreak on the field. I mean, up until his suspension last year. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Jacoby Winman. Should Michigan State really just pull one of the funniest upsets of all time in this rivalry's history? That'd be great. I would not hate to see that. Alpha King Meow. That's the person's name here. Should Tucker go after more two- and three-star recruits than the four-stars and slash transfer portal? Well, that was certainly the error last year, right? Is that they went home run hitting with some highly rated four stars. Like for the most part, it wasn't even just your average four star. They were going for like in the upper echelon of four stars and some five stars on campus. If you all remember last June, I I was floating through last June. Here we are off a Peach Bowl win. We are littered with players in the top 300 visiting campus every single weekend. This is great. How could life get any better? Well, I'll tell you how life can get any better. Um, recruiting kids that you actually have a shot at getting. Now, we've talked ad nauseum about this ever since last year's recruiting cycle. And look, it was a fine class, right? A top 25 class off a of 5-7 and seven season. The issue at hand here is that they didn't even have 20 kids in that class. I think they settled on 18 kids, which is fine for a class. You cannot make a habit of that, though. At least... Not in my opinion. Maybe it's conventional thinking because that's where it gets interesting. Should they stop going after four stars or the transfer portal? My quick answer for the four stars is no. You still absolutely do need four stars. However, I think they learned a lot from their mistakes last year. And they're going after four stars, well, that they actually have a shot of getting, right? Like, I know it's weird that Jason Brown, this top 100 running back from Seattle, came in. Like, 
Why does MSU think they can win that battle? Okay, well, Jason Brown sent one official visit in the month of June. It's not like he visited USC, then Washington, then Oregon. The Michigan State said, hey, come over to East Lansing. Like, no, there's, there's legitimate interest there. Whereas last year, God, in hindsight, it sure did just seem like a bunch of top 300 kids coming here and taking cool pictures with cool cars. And, yeah, there we go. I just also noticed, too, on the side here of this YouTube graphic that, that I'm pointing at right now, it says M M P V, not MVP. That's a typo. Okay. Anyway, I am the ball, Matt. Let's keep answering this question. What they have done well this recruiting cycle is not just go after kids in the top 300, but also open up the net early on to kids that are in the 400 to 900 range. Now, I know that those aren't the crown jewels of the classes, but you do need a strong foundation you know, because you want to get your recruiting class started on the right note, but you also don't want to end it scrambling, trying to flip kids at the last minute, and more specifically, kids that have never visited campus. That's that's a fool's game, and Michigan State got burned on that last year, I think. Again, it, it's weird to say because it, it was a good class, but yeah, the, the hit rate was not high enough from what we saw in June. Now about the transfer portal. This is where I'm still in a wait-and-see thing because the transfer portal, and we're running out of years to say this, is still new-ish, I think, and maybe you can get away with having like 18 kid classes, but you just supplement your holes with the transfer portal. Like, what would you rather have, a lowly-rated three-star kid that you try to flip at the end of a cycle, or hey... How about this redshirt sophomore who has some starting game tape out there who wants a fresh start at a new college? Like, I, it, it works in college basketball. I still think we're in a wait-and-see period uh, for football to see if that can work. But, yeah, it, it's not as quick of a fix as it can be in college basketball. Like, it, it is nice to have kids here for a few years to get used to the system, the weight training, all that good stuff. But, yeah, I... Yes, I do think that they do have to emphasize more three stars, but can you just cold quit four stars? I, no, absolutely not. You that 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 is the lifeblood of college football is recruiting. Um, also, they wrote a separate question. Flipping sports, actually, we're going to the basketball court. Will Carson Cooper be the starting center sometime in the future? I say absolutely, and maybe even sometimes this year. Uh, only a handful of games. I, I think we're still going to see. Monty Sissoko start the bulk of these games, but I think it's going to be a lot of what we saw, especially in the last two months of the season, or maybe two months is too much, last month of the season last year, where it is really a, a rotating game of musical chairs of who is going to get the most minutes on the court at the center position, and it could be for a few reasons. One, just the matchup right off the bat, like all three centers, Carson Cooper, Jackson Kohler, Monty Sissoko, offer something different. Or, hey, we've also seen this, too, late in the season last year. I mean, God, just think about that first tournament game against USC. It, it could be a combination of, hey, who has the hot hand? And, well, who are the other two centers, and how do they look on the court? Are they going to essentially put themselves in Tom Izzo jails for the bulk of the game because they really had a horrible start to the game? Now, look, M Matty and Jackson, I, they, they, I don't really remember their USC games for – maybe good reason, but Carson Cooper, he had a really good game against them, and he, they just kept riding that hot hand for the bulk of that game. So, yeah, it's just going to be a case-by-case -case basis with the center position this year. Uh, Griffin Beers writes in a fun question. Top five interviews you've ever done. 
We are blessed to not have any shortage of answers here. Uh, on the honorable mention list, like, look, we haven't talked with him in a while, but Travis Trice is always a great guy to talk to. Um, the Nathan Carter interview from earlier this season, the Caton Hauser interview from earlier this season. We uh, got to talk with Bruce Feldman, and that was in the wake of the whole uh, Mel Tucker contract extension, I believe. So that was really cool to talk to media members like that. I, of course, love Mark Titus, one of my all-time favorite people. Robbie Hummel, so generous with his time and his knowledge. So just guys like that as well. But my top five, of course, I I, got to go to the governor's office. I mean, Gretchen Whitmer, just because of how insane that was. I mean, I kind of almost as a joke threw it out on Twitter, like, hey, you want to show up on the podcast? And before the Michigan-Michigan State game in 2021, she did show up. Crazy enough, some people didn't like that we interviewed her, but please, like, I... If, if Steve Bannon was a Michigan State grad or uh, Trump, I would try to get them on the podcast too. Believe me, politics isn't my game. I don't really care one way or another, and I, I really don't like people on either side. So here we are. There's someone for both sides of the aisle there. Just let me upset you there. But no, Gretchen was awesome, down to earth, and just loved that chat. And just like the outrageousness of like, why are you on this podcast? I don't have anything better to do with your time, but it was awesome. So hopefully we'd love to have her back on in the future. Should she still be in office? Number two, I mean, th- this is a selfish one. He's my favorite Spartan of all time, Kirk Cousins. Uh, but also that half hour chat, it-, it was based around the Michigan State versus Wisconsin game. That was a really cool one just because he was just so open, um, just not canned answers. He just really authentic. And he's been like that ever since he's been at Michigan State like you. You get authenticity when you get Kirk Cousins, in my opinion. I know that people have different thoughts on him, but no, I just think that is genuinely down to the bone who he is as a person. And that was another fun one, too, because people, just like the the Gretchen interview, they're like, how the hell did you get Kirk Cousins on this little rinky-dink show? Um, Well, COVID played to our advantage here because this was early in the COVID shutdowns. And if you remember, not a lot of people were doing a lot of anything. So I reached out to uh, his PR people, I said, hey, if he's bored to smithereens and has nothing better to do with his time, if he is just so bored he wants to hop on a podcast for 30 minutes, we would love to have him. It turned out he truly was that bored, as we all were in COVID. And, yeah, they got back to me very quick and said, yeah, how about Thursday at 9 or whatever the time was? I was like, ah, absolutely. Uh, Jarrell Worthy, uh, former defensive lineman, you, you talk about an open book and just a straight shooter. Jarrell Worthy was awesome. Uh, Tony Lippett was the same way as well. Uh, number four, I mean, this is the golf nerd in me right now, James Pyatt, uh, the golfer for Michigan State. He won the U.S. Amateur, got to play in the Masters. He's currently on the Live Tour right now. Haven't spoken with him on the podcast since he's joined the Live, but yeah, I mean, I love the James Pyatt chats. Uh, talked to him twice. And then last but not least, I, whoa, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball was picked up by Jalen Watts Jackson, and uh, that interview was outstanding. The same episode as the Gretchen Whitmer interview, actually. And how many times do you think Jalen Watts Jackson has talked about that play back in 2015? Probably upwards of 48,000 times. You would have thought it was his second time ever talking about it. He was still so awesome at answering probably questions that he's heard a hundred times, but just reliving the day as if it happened a week prior. Jalen Watts Jackson, just an awesome, awesome guy. So I. Really glad that he's a Spartan legend because, look, you want those plays to happen to just great all-around people. And by all accounts, Jalen Watch Jackson absolutely is. Now, bucket list, the five that I'm still after, uh, Tom Izzo, 
absolutely my white whale. Uh, Mark D'Antonio, Connor Cook, Draymond Green, and Cassius Winston as well. So, if anyone has any connections to any of those five people I just named, please and thank you. That'd be awesome. Um, Alex writes in, top five college campuses that you have visited, not college towns. Specifically campuses, Alex writes in. And the top five college campuses that you have not visited but would like to. So, the top five campuses I visited... I visited Duke a long, long time ago. It was on a family road trip down to Florida. We stopped on the way there, and I'm like, you know, I was, uh, what, maybe in fifth grade. I was like, I don't really get why we're here. This seems kind of lame and boring, but driving around, it's like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in kind of like Hogwarts right now. Northwestern had the same feel, too, so I'm going to go with that for number two, just a completely unique college campus experience. I'm going to stick to the state of Michigan here for number three. This is going back when I was in high school, so you got to go back 47 years ago for this one, visiting Aquinas. That is a really cool small Division III uh, campus over there. A nice little blend of modern architecture, but also very nature-y too. UCLA was amazing. Like That that feels like you are on the set of a movie. I, I, I felt like a, a movie extra just walking around UCLA. That was a few years ago. And then I gotta say, Arizona State, I, I did enjoy that campus when we went out there for the game um, back when Michigan State flew over there to play the fighting Herm Edwardses, but yeah, I, I liked Arizona State as well. Now, the coolest sounding campus I've been on, Florida Gulf Coast. Sounds amazing, right? Uh, just the, the name, and everyone remembers Dunk City. That... Don't don't stop at Florida Gulf Coast. You're not missing anything down there. Uh, it, it's a bonafide commuter school. With a few palm trees. Uh, it is also probably the size of your driveway. It, it is a small campus down in Fort Myers, Florida. Now the ones I would like to visit, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I know it's a random one, but if you've never seen it, go ahead and Google a picture of A&M Corpus Christi. It's on its own island down there in Texas. I would love to visit northern Michigan, and I feel like I'm a fraud of a Michigander for never being to Marquette in my entire life, but would love to visit northern Michigan's campus. On a completely different note than, you know, a snowy Upper Peninsula city. How about Pepperdine? Malibu, California. Uh, just like UCLA, every single picture from Pepperdine just seems like a, uh, a a shot of Zoe 101. Like, it seems like a fake college campus, but yeah, that looks beautiful. Notre Dame, I have to add. And that's another one. It's like, how have I not been there yet? And then number five, I'm going to cheat. I'm just going to say any SEC campus can I be specific and just say on game day as well? Like, yes, I'd love to, like, walk up and down, like, the, the Greek life down there just to see, like, what those houses are like. But something about just the, the Southern Comfort SEC, I, I would love to check that out one day. Name your school. Texas. Did I say Texas? They're not in the SEC yet. I'm sorry. Ole Miss, for example, or Auburn or Georgia. Like, that'd be great. Or, yeah, when Texas does come along. I wouldn't hate that either. Hear a lot of nice things about Austin. All right, gang. You guys are truly the best. Again, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. The mailbag is always open 12 months out of the year. But in the summer, it's it's especially open. That's right. But, hey, thanks a lot for staying tuned to Locked on Spartans. Until next time, go enjoy the rest of your day. Love you all. Go Green.